Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute or a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. September is Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. This month, yes, the entire month of September, we're switching up our podcast format as we transition from bi-weekly to weekly episodes. Each week during this month, You'll be hearing from me as I talk about PCOS from background and causal factors to case studies and integrative healing solutions. PCOS is one of the most common and most often misdiagnosed auditory disorders in women's health. This month is dedicated to raising awareness, educating the public, and conquering PCOS. You can help spread awareness by wearing teal throughout the month or simply pinning the teal ribbon on your clothing. Okay, let's get started. And we're back. It is the second week of September already, and I can hardly believe it. Time is flying by so fast. So let's pick up where we started last week with a little bit of a review. Last week, we talked about polycystic ovarian syndrome and pretty much the background, a little bit of history, how we even get to a diagnosis, and you know, why is the prevalence so high? And we talked about insulin resistance. We talked about testosterone, body mass index, hard to lose weight and why, and the causality of it all. Again, in addition to the high androgen levels, we talked about insulin levels, the overall prevalence of genetics and what role it plays, and some mechanisms of how we go about getting this metabolic disorder, having these reproductive health repercussions. So we talked about insulin resistance. We talked about the constant hunger, the inability to lose weight, the cravings for sugar, the fatigue, those migrating aches and pains, and some of the upper abdominal obesity, how that manifests in men, how it manifests in women, what the hormone imbalances do, and how all that leads back to that upper abdominal obesity and fat storage based on, again, some metabolic consequences and some reproductive consequences all due to prenatal, meaning before you were even born, genetic androgen excess. Okay, so this week we want to focus on the clinical manifestations and how we get to this point. 
So we're going to talk about signs and symptoms, just so we're all on the same page. Signs are things that a person on the outside can see or can become aware of. And symptoms are things that if it was never mentioned, no one else would ever know about it. So when we talk about signs, one of the major signs when we think about PCOS is hirsutism. And hirsutism is just having excess hair on the face, the chin, or parts of the body where men usually have hair. So when you think about hair on the chin, facial hair, beards, mustaches, sometimes women will have that excess hair. They need to start either tweezing or plucking or full-blown shaving, which is unfortunate. And again, it's just horrible because again, it shouldn't be there in the first place. And all the depilatories and all the shaving and all the creams necessary are again addressing the symptom or the sign and not really addressing the underlying cause of that sign in the first place. When we talk about acne, again, we talked about acne being on pretty much all over the body, but mainly on the face, the chest, and the upper back. Hair thinning, somewhat related to male pattern baldness, but in women, skin tags, those little pieces of flesh-like material um, that are sometimes located in the armpits or in the neck area, weight gain, either gaining weight or difficulty losing weight, and darkening of the skin. Sometimes you'll see that in textbooks or in medical literature called acanthosis. And again, that darkening of the skin usually is found along the neck creases in the groin and underneath the breasts. And in terms of symptoms, most importantly, again, in the clinical setting, we see irregular menstrual cycles. A woman may miss periods or have fewer than eight periods in over the course of a year because her periods and the cycle length is so long, way longer than 35 days. And her periods often may come every 21 days or more often, either way, not necessarily having ovulatory cycles, meaning she's not ovulating even though she's having a menstrual period. And sometimes some women stop having periods altogether for long periods of time. So again, this is going to lead to fertility challenges. And that is pretty much the main symptom that causes most women to come in for some type of clinical assistance or integrative solutions. So we talked about the known symptoms of irregular menstruation, acanthosis, that darkening of the skin, usually in the neck or in the creases of the body, male pattern baldness, hair loss, acne, facial, back, chest, hirsutism, hair where it shouldn't be, overall obesity or inability to lose weight, and infertility, and sometimes even pregnancy loss. And so when we think about those symptoms, I want you to think about them as a constellation of symptoms and signs, not necessarily that you're going to have them all. When we talk about the different types of polycystic ovarian syndrome, you're going to sometimes be able to identify with some, but not others. But when we break it down, you'll be able to see that there are four distinct types. And again, you're not going to have all the signs or all the symptoms. And some women have PCOS and have no problem with fertility, although that's very rare. So again, summarizing that constellation of symptoms, trouble conceiving or fertility challenges, mood changes, acne, fatigue, insulin resistance, high testosterone levels, male pattern baldness or thinning hair, irregular menstruation or missed periods, 
It also can affect your sex drive or your libido, cysts on the ovaries, weight changes and trouble losing weight and excessive body or hair growth. So in addition to these signs and symptoms, there are also some complications. Complications that, again, are addressed by either classification as subfertility, meaning as a complication or a consequence of not being or not having ovulatory cycles or having few ovulatory cycles, you can have um, some abnormalities in the development of the eggs due to the hormonal or the other abnormalities. So that affects, it means you can get pregnant, but your pregnancy chances and frequency are lowered in comparison to your healthy counterparts. And miscarriage, the other end of the fertility spectrum is that with polycystic ovarian syndrome, there is an increased risk of miscarriage in patients who do conceive. And that is usually confounded by a higher rate of obesity or being overweight. And that's also a risk factor for miscarriage. So some other complications that aren't necessarily reproductive health in nature is cardiovascular disease. And we're talking about dyslipidemia, which related to both hyperinsulinemia and hyperandrogenism. So when we have effects on the heart, that's affecting, that's affected by the high levels of insulin in your blood and also those high levels of testosterone. Type 2 diabetes, that is an increased risk um, of having type 2 diabetes, which is above the risk conferred by the level of insulin resistance. So having high levels of insulin in the blood, insulin that's not effective or efficient at doing its job, in addition to having a PCOS diagnosis, increases the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And there are other malignancies that are associated with all these combinations of high insulin, high testosterone, not ovulating as often, because that increases the risk of endometrial cancer and other endometrial disorders. So now we've talked about insulin, we've talked about testosterone, we've talked about the effects of on the ovaries and ovulation, but also now we're looking at the uterus and how the effect of cancer and other endometrial disorders can be, can result as a complication. And then there's a psychiatric disorder side in terms of looking at anxiety, depression, binge eating, and bipolar disorder. All these diagnoses are very common once someone has a polycystic ovarian syndrome diagnosis. Not always necessary, but in general, again, looking at the bigger scope, they can go hand in hand. So what we're going to talk about next is how our approach is in terms of diagnosis. When we look at the diagnosis, what to expect when you walk into a doctor's office or to an integrative practitioner, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? What are they going to look for? And how are we going to come up with a diagnosis? So tune in next week. That was a little short one. We'll talk soon and we look forward to seeing you as we continue our exploration of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Take care. An important aspect of PCOS Awareness Month is advocacy. Whether it's by sharing your individual fertility story or supporting other women challenged by a PCOS diagnosis, this month of September gives all of us the opportunity to join the conversation. Share your experiences to empower and uplift other women. Remember, empowered women empower women. 
see you next week.